Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bethlehem Church of Christ podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that today's message encourages and inspires you and helps you on your journey to discover and follow the will of God. The outline of this message, speaker, message title, and series can be found in the show notes or the details page. Be sure to check us out on Facebook or on our church website at Bethlehem505.com. And now, here is the message. see each of you here uh, this morning. Good for me to be here uh, today. Um, Let me say, if you're a first-time visitor, uh, we are glad you're here. Um, And I'm not the preacher at this church, Uh, just let you know that. Uh, Tom Claiborne uh, is and has been for about 105 years, uh, it seems. Just seems that way, doesn't it? And, uh, And he's out in Colorado seeing his girls and his new grandbabies. Uh, it seems that's when I fill in preachers, when they keep having babies, so I just keep coming and filling in for Tom. Uh, but it's good to be here today. Uh, bear with me a little. I've had a cold all week, as probably a lot of you have this winter. Uh, I'm on day seven, so hopefully it's at the tail end, but if I get a little froggy uh, in my throat, I got my cough drops ready to go. And it reminds me of the little kid went to his grandpa and said, Grandpa, would you rib it like a frog for me? Grandpa said, what? What did you say? Would, would you rib it like a frog for me? He says, well, why do you want me to rib it like a frog? He said, well, Mom said when you croak, we're all going to Disney World. <laughs> so hopefully none of us will croak today. Sorry, Debbie, just had to get that one in. Now, I know uh, you've all been in the midst of a sermon series entitled Good Question. Uh, so the question that we want to think about this morning is this one. Does God put more on us than we can bear. And most of us would probably just pipe up and say, well, no, no, he doesn't. Because we hear people say all the time, well, God doesn't put more on you than you can bear. But is that true? Uh, Did God actually say that he would never give us more than we can bear. Well, let me give you a little quiz to start off with this morning. You tell me, I'm going to put some statements up here. You tell me if God actually said these things or not. Let's go to the first one. Did God say, the Lord works in mysterious ways? Is that in the Bible? Sounds like it ought to be, but no, that's not in the Bible. Let's go to the next one. A fool and his money are soon parted. That's got to be in the Proverbs somewhere, doesn't it? Well, sounds good, but it's not in the Bible anywhere. God never said that. How about charity begins at home? Again, sounds like a good proverb, but God didn't say that. Or how about this one? Cleanliness is next to godliness. Now, I believe that, but God didn't say it. Your mom said it. That's who said it, Uh, you know. How about this one? God helps those who help themselves. Now, that principle might be in Scripture. Actually, the principles of all these are probably in Scripture, one way or another. But no, God never actually said, that's not a verse from the Bible. Well, how about this one? Hang on, Debbie. God likes the Kansas City Chiefs more than he likes the Cincinnati Bengals. He, He didn't say that, did he? He did not say that. Did he say this? He likes the Bengals more than he likes the Chiefs. Oh, now, uh, (laughs) 
You show me book, chapter, verse, I'll buy you a Coke after church. How about that? <laughs> Unfortunately, he didn't say that either. Now, we wish he did. Well, there's a lot of things God didn't say that we think he said. And we in the Restoration Movement, Churches of Christ and Christian churches, we are known as a people of the book. Uh, one of our mottos that we are uh, well known for is where the scriptures speak, we speak, and where the scriptures are silent, we are silent. Uh, last Sunday, Tom preached on truth. What is truth? And we believe we find absolute truth in Scripture, in the Bible. So we base our entire lives, everything we do, on the Word of God. But that does not stop a lot of Christian people from saying things that God never said, such as what we're going to think about today, God will never give you more than you can bear. Now, have, have you ever said that to somebody? Well, I used to until I realized, wait a minute, God never said that. But wouldn't it be nice if he did? When I was preaching over at the Georgetown Church, I would sometimes sing the song, Bring the Rain. And the chorus says, I know there will be days when life brings me pain, but if that's what it takes to praise you, then Jesus, bring the rain. I hate that song. I hated singing that song. At times I wouldn't sing. I'd play the drums, but I wouldn't sing that one, you know, because I, I don't want rain to come into my life. I, I don't want hardships and troubles to come my way. You probably don't either. Even knowing that God works good out of the bad, even knowing that our tough times can bring him glory, we still don't ask for it to happen, right? But a lot of us do have bad things happen, don't we? Maybe you're going through some bad stuff right now. And when we experience the bad stuff, the, the tough times, we sometimes feel like, man, it's just all overwhelming us like a flood. And we're right in the midst of that flood being tossed back and forth, and then some well-meaning but annoying Christian comes along and says, I know you're going through a hard time, but remember, when God closes a door, he opens a window. What's that mean? He opens a window. If you're on the 10th floor, that's not good. <laughs> or they'll say, remember, God helps those who help themselves. And well, we've already seen that God never said that. Or someone will say, you're going to be okay because God never gives you more than you can bear. But you know what? God never said that. So if God never said it, why do we sometimes say it? Well, probably because we get it mixed up with what God does say in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 where he says, God is faithful and will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Sounds similar, but it's not the same thing. Now, that's a wonderful promise of God, isn't it? That there is not one temptation that we face that we cannot resist. With every temptation, there's always a way out. But that promise is different than saying that God won't give you more than you can bear because throughout Scripture, we see a lot of people who experience more than they could handle. 
Think about young Gideon. Remember his story? He was told by an angel to go defeat the enemy army of 300,000 soldiers, and all he had were 300 guys? That was more than he could bear. He said, I'm the youngest in my family. My family is the weakest in all of Israel. That was more than he could bear initially. Or Moses. God comes to Moses. Hey, go back to Egypt and set my people free. But Moses said, well, I can't do that. I'm a wanted fugitive. I can't speak well. The people won't follow me. He thought, well, this is more than I can handle. Or Queen Esther, her cousin told her, go stand before the king so that the Jews, the whole nation, wouldn't be exterminated. But she said, I can't do that. Anyone who goes before the king uninvited is put to death, including me as the queen. It was more than she could bear. Or King David, when he was confronted with his sin, said in Psalm 38, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. So he he plainly admits that his guilt was a burden too heavy to bear. Or what about Jesus himself? When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before his crucifixion, he faced something that was more than even he could handle. Mark 14, 34 says he began to be deeply distressed and troubled, and he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He was sweating what it was as drops of blood. An angel even had to come from heaven and minister to him there in the garden. So if the very Son of God faced more than he could bear that night, well, then there may be times in our lives when we'll face it too. And, and here's the kicker. You know, if God never said that he wouldn't give us more than we can bear, then that means that at times God will give us more than we can bear. Hmm. Let that sink in. At times, God will either give us or he will allow us to go through things in our lives that to us, seem like it's just more than we can bear. Now, why in this world would our loving, merciful, kind, gracious Heavenly Father allow us to face more than we could handle? Well, let me give you three reasons. First of all, to teach us to depend on His presence. Have you ever noticed how Easy it is to forget about God or just kind of put God on a back shelf a little bit when things are going good. Well, we see that with the Old Testament Israelites all the time. But even in our own lives, if, if, if things are okay, we think, well, I'm, I'm doing all right. Life's good. No problems. Everything's all right. Uh, God, if I need you, I'll, I'll call you. All right? Everything's clicking along. All right here, Lord. But... Have you noticed when things go sideways and the bottom drops out, 
Boy, that's when we really cry out to God. But God, as our Father, wants us to cry out to Him and to depend on His presence all the time, in the good times and the bad times. So He may allow us to go through some terrible things to teach us, hey, you need me. Don't forget that. <laughs> you need to come to me. You need to depend on me. Now, Jonah is a great example of, of this. He didn't cry out to God until he got into trouble. You probably remember Jonah's story. It's a fish story. God told him, hey, go to Nineveh and preach repentance unto those lousy, wicked, sinful people. And he said, well, I don't want to do that. So he hopped on a ship going in the opposite direction. Long story short, he ended up in the belly of a big fish. And I bet he was thinking, man, this is more than I can, than I can handle. And listen to what he said in Jonah chapter 2. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And again, that's how it usually works. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. Oh, now I remember you. And my prayer rose to you. Now what if somebody had come swimming along in a scuba diving suit? There was Jonah. And looked in the gills of that big fish he was in. Hey, Jonah, is that you? Well, don't worry, Jonah. God won't give you more than you can bear. Jonah would have gone, are you crazy? Look where I am. I'm in the belly of a big fish. He was definitely facing more than he could handle. He says, I'm in distress. My life is ebbing away. But you know what it caused him to do? It caused him to go into the presence of God. So when you feel like some big old fish has just <laughs> sucked you down, you feel you're in distress, your life is ebbing away. This is when we depend on the Lord's presence. That's when we call out to him especially and say, yes, Lord, I admit I need you. And the fact that, that we go through these kind of things doesn't mean that God has abandoned us. Actually, it could be the total opposite of that. It could be God's way of drawing you closer to him. There's a little statement in your bulletin you can fill in here. It says, never let the presence of the storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us, right? So let's believe that and let's depend on his presence. Now a second reason why God may allow us to experience more than we can bear is to teach us to experience his power. Now, a lot of times, uh, we tend to go through life trying to make it on our own, don't we? And that doesn't always work out too well. But, but we think, man, I, I got I to gotta suck it up. I got to pull myself up from, from my own bootstraps. I got to figure this out. It's all up to me. If I'm strong enough, if I read my Bible more, if I pray more, then all right, I'll just blow my way through this. Well, that's not what God says to do. That's putting the monkey on our back. It's not how it works. 
God doesn't expect us to handle everything on our own because he says so many places in Scripture, rely on my power. I want you to experience what I can do in your life. Apostle Paul, wonderful example of this. 2 Corinthians 12, this is where he talks about his thorn in the flesh. Some physical problem that he had. He wanted God to take it away from him. And he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times. And man, if anybody should have had their prayers answered, it should have been Paul, right? I mean, he was one of the greatest Christians to ever live. So, so when he asked, God, take this problem away from me, well, God should have done that, in my opinion, because good old Paul deserved it. But that's just the thing, friends. Even the most faithful, godly, righteous person is going to experience some horrible, painful struggles. And people may say, well, they don't deserve that. But God may be allowing them to experience that so they can then experience his power in a way that they've never experienced it before. When Paul asked God three times, take my problem away, three times God said, no, I'm not going to do that. But then look at what he did say to him. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. He wanted Paul to experience his power. So he left that thorn in the flesh in his body. So God may put more on us than we can bear if, if he's wanting us to experience this, this power. If, if he wants to teach us how to say, God, I'm weak. I need you. I can't do this on my own. And that's when God says, good. Now you're getting it. Now I can work with you. Uh, my wife, Cindy, uh, faced some major health problems several years ago. And we were going to all sorts of doctors and surgeons trying to figure out what was going on. Nobody could figure it out. And Cindy kept praying. I said, would you stop singing that Bring the Rain song? That's, that's your problem right there. But she kept praying, God, I, I know it's okay. I know you're going to see me through this, which she eventually did. But one day we were, we were at Wednesday night service, and a fellow walked up to her, looked her in the eye and said, you know, if you would read your Bible more and if you would pray more, you wouldn't be sick. Well, I needed to repent after what I thought about doing to that guy. <laughs> but isn't that kind of what some of us think at times? That if we'd just be better little Christians, read the Bible more, sign up for more things at church, give more in the offering plate, pray harder, be more faithful, well, then we wouldn't have any problems. Well, really, that's wrong on all sorts of levels because that's putting the strength in the wrong place. So if, if we say, I got to handle this, I, I got to take care of things, I, I need to be stronger. Well, no, God's saying, no, I want you weak. 
Because when you're weak, that's when my power can take over. And that's why Paul could say in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, he said, that is why for Christ's sake, not for his own, but for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Huh? Did I read that right? Yeah. I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, when I read that verse, I say, Paul, you are nothing. Thank you, God. I mean, this is Paul. Thank you, God, that, that those men stoned me and left me for dead. Thank you, God, that I was shipwrecked and almost died. Thank you, God, that I was bitten by a snake that crawled out of the campfire. Thank you, God, that I was naked and hungry and thirsty and that I was chased from town to town, that I was persecuted all those times. What? How could Paul say that stuff? Because he had learned, that's a key word, he had learned that when he was weak, God's power made him strong. So it's okay to say, I just don't think I can handle this. And again, that's where God says, good. Let me step in. Let my strength and my power help you handle it. So yeah, God may allow us to experience more than we can bear, so we depend on his presence, experience his power, and then lastly, to rely on his people. When we face those times in life, we just think, man, this is more than I can take. That's when we need to allow some good Christian people to help us, to encourage us, to pray with us, to walk beside us. Now, the early Christians, man, they understood that. Acts chapter 2, we're told that they helped each other in hard times. Verse 45 says, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. There might have been some new Christian, newly baptized, maybe even on the day of Pentecost with those 3,000, now part of the Lord's church in Jerusalem and and their Jewish family had written them off, and they lost their jobs, they were being persecuted, and they might have thought, well, man, I just, I'm broke, I don't have any food, I don't have any money, my kids are starving, this is more than I can handle. Then all of a sudden, here come a few folk from the first church of Jerusalem. Got a big pot full of money for them. Where'd that come from? Well, you see, Joe over here, he sold us his field. And here's so he wants you to have the money from that property he sold. Isn't that amazing how they did that back then? Also, the Apostle Paul, so many of his epistles wrote of brothers and sisters in Christ who rallied to his side in times of hardship. I love the book of Philippians. Uh, he kind of sums it up in chapter 4, verse 14, where he simply says to those good Christian people, it was good of you to share in my troubles. That's pretty simple, isn't it? It was good of you to share in my troubles. 
And I bet there's a lot of you folk here at Bethlehem Church of Christ that could say the very same things about other folk from the Bethlehem Church of Christ. Oh, it was good of Dwayne to come and share in my troubles. It was good of Terry to come. It was good of Pat. It was good of David. It was good of Tom and Renee. It was good of Steve to come. It was good of Mary and Alice and Pam to come. And man, let me tell you how they shared in my troubles. When you were at a low point in your life, I bet some good Christian people came around and helped you through it. Man, that's one of the benefits of being a Christian and being a part of the family of God. And then when your life is going good and things are okay, that's when you say, Lord, lead me to somebody. Lead me to, especially brother and sister in Christ initially, who might need some help. I love that old chorus. I don't know if we sing it much anymore. Uh, can you sing it with me? Help me along. David, can you sing it with me a little bit? Come on now. It says, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. I'm a part of the family, the family of God. You do know that little chorus. But isn't that true? Aren't you glad you're a part of the family of God? Because it's here in this family that we find love and support and acceptance. But one of the key things is when you're going through a difficult time, you have to allow people into your life and let them walk beside you. Let them help you. A lot of people, you know, they, uh, they put up the wall. It's not going to help me. I've known so many people over the years in, in my years of ministry, man, they get diagnosed with cancer. They go through all sorts of difficult things, and they don't tell them. And they, they might tell me as the preacher, now, don't tell anybody. Don't tell them. I said, don't you want hundreds of people praying for you? Ah, it's my burden to bear alone. That's not what the family of God is all about. So open yourself up. If, if you struggle in that, open yourself up. Knock down that wall. Let good loving people in so you can rely on them. So, does God give us more than we can bear? Good question. And the answer is, well, at times, yes. Because he wants to teach us to depend on his presence, experience his power, and rely on his people. Now let me add one more thing real quick. When we go through those difficult times, we often feel that it's all God's fault, don't we? What's the first thing we say? Why, God? But in reality, God may not be the culprit at all. Now granted, there are times... When God tests our faith, that's scriptural. There are times when God allows us to go through trials to help our faith to grow, to lead us to these things we've talked about today. But not every bad thing happens 
as a result of it being God. I often say God gets blamed for a lot of things that aren't his fault. Sometimes the struggles we go through are because we've made some stupid choices ourselves. I know I'm guilty of that. Oh, why, God? Boy, you're the idiot down there. You did that. That wasn't me. Sometimes they are Satan's fault. Sometimes it's a satanic influence. Satan, our, our enemy comes along and causes things. God allows that at times. And then other times our struggles are simply due to the fact that we live in a fallen, sinful world where bad things happen, even to good people. Actually, I don't know how often we really know where our struggles come from. But what we do know, and what we can always know, is that God promises to use our struggles for our good. Romans chapter 8. So the next time somebody's going through a tough time, and you go and talk to them, or you call them on the phone, or you see them here at church, do not say to them, well, God won't put more on you than you can bear. Because God never said that. Instead, say, I'm sorry for what you're going through. But you know what? God loves you. And I do too. So let's get through this together. Have the worship team come on up. If you're not a Christian today, then you need to understand that you have a sin problem that is way too big for you to bear and to handle. But the good news is it's not too big for Jesus to handle. Actually, he's already handled it. <laughs> when he died on the cross, he took care of your sin problems. And now he offers you the forgiveness of all of those sins. And all you have to do is accept that forgiveness and the scriptures plainly tell us that when we believe that Jesus did die to save us, that he did raise up from the grave, when we believe that he is indeed the Son of God, that ought to lead us to a repentance that says, man, I need to change. I need to turn my life around. I need to go a new way. I need to let God into my life so he can change me and help me, put me in a new direction. And then we confess, yes, I, I need you, God. I need your forgiveness. I confess I'm a sinner and I need you to come in your Thank you for listening to the Bethlehem Church of Christ podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and think others can benefit from it, we encourage you to share it on social media, subscribe to our podcast, or leave us a rating and review on the podcast platform you use. You can also connect with us online at Bethlehem 505.org or find us on Facebook. Please join us next time as we each seek to understand God's word and follow his son, Jesus Christ.